the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus began to teach his disciples that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not on the side of God, but of men. And he called to him the multitude with his disciples and said to them, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what can a man give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray at this time that as we're gathered in your name, that through the work of your Spirit, your truth would go forth, be planted um, in our hearts, and that we might know your grace and truth, which are for us our life and our salvation. And this we ask now in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It was about a, a month ago now that I um, went back. I'm actually um, great new backdrop. Um, love the new back from from Camp St. Christopher. Um, what made me think of it? Just about a month ago, I, I went back to Charleston. It was one of those I, I drove over um, on Tuesday, attended a funeral Wednesday, drove back um, Wednesday night. A quick trip, but um, uh, a great guy, uh, Colonel Harvey Dick, who had been the assistant commandant of cadets um, at the Citadel. Um, when I was there and had been a, a vestryman at the Cathedral Church of St. Luke and St. Paul, where I first served uh, out of seminary, as a guy that uh, he and his wife Margie had an impact on, gosh, I can't tell you how many, uh, on how many young men and women's lives, um, just real, real servants, um, a, a great man, uh, anyway, was back for his funeral about a month ago. But one of the things I remember, I, I, I loved Harvey Dick later, I feared him. Um, when I was a cadet, um, he, was, say, he was the assistant commandant. Guess, he called us his, his Delberts. It didn't finish there. He was a man that was prone to alliteration. Um, but anyway, we were his Delberts. And um, anyway, you, you kind of, at least for me, I, I took a wide path around good old Colonel Harvey Dick and, and tried to avoid him uh, and say uh, you didn't want to be chewed out by good old um, Colonel Dick. He did give me um, 60 demerits and 120 tours um, at one point during my cadet tenure. And it was, um, it was an interesting thing when I was uh, ordained and, and the bishop placed me at the cathedral in Charleston on my first Sunday. Uh, I'm walking up the steps to the cathedral and there I'm standing um, at the top of the steps is Colonel Harvey Dick. Um, and as I'm walking up, he's shaking his head at me and he was, uh, as I say, not only did I fear him because he was assistant commandant of cadets, but he, was, he looked like a bulldog. He had... Um, he had been a Marine infantryman before he came to the Citadel, played center at the Citadel. He just had this sort of, he just looked like a bulldog, but he had this funny sort of high-pitched voice. And as I watched him, he said, boy, um, I used to bust your butt, uh, and now you hear my confession. 
And, and I said, uh, that, that's right, Colonel. Uh, and, uh, and don't you forget it. Uh, so kind of a, uh, a, a rare moment uh, when, when, the tables, uh, when the tables turned, um, even though not really, but uh, yeah, sort of one of those rare moments. Well, um, I, I share all of that with you by way of introduction to the gospel that we've heard from this evening. And the gospel that we hear from this evening um, is... Um, a gospel is a portion of the gospel like any other portion of it that's filled with grace and that's filled with truth. And yet, uh, within the portion which we've just read, we also hear a very harsh rebuke um, which Jesus gives to Peter as well. Uh, Peter um, attempts to turn the tables and we see that it didn't go so well um, for Peter as he tried to, um, you know, as he tried to tell Jesus where he was mistaken um, about what it was that he was laying out. We hear at the beginning that Jesus began to teach them plainly. Uh, and the, the word which is used there, the, the Greek word which is used there for plainly, means to say basically he, he spoke um, boldly. He spoke um, forthrightly. It was, a, it was a clear teaching. It was a strong teaching. It wasn't just thinking out loud um, that he was doing. He wasn't just sort of saying, well, you know, I, I wonder. Um, it was no. It was a very clear, it was a very definite teaching about um, who Jesus was and about what Messiahship looked like, what God's promised one looked like, what he would accomplish, the way that his life and that his ministry um, would go forth. And in fairness to Peter and in fairness to the others, um, what they were expecting was entirely different than what Jesus was telling them. And it wasn't just Peter uh, and Jesus' sort of closest followers. The whole concept of Messiahship was entirely different from what Jesus was proposing. Uh, and the way that he... Um, taught uh, the way that he talked about the inbreaking of God's kingdom in the world, the way that he talked about the inbreaking of God's love and God's um, grace in the world, were entirely different from what um, they expected, entirely different from the ways that they felt that he should operate. Uh, and what he was telling them was this: that messiahship for him, um, his coming to power, his bringing forth um, God's kingdom, would involve suffering, um, would involve rejection would involve crucifixion, and would involve uh, resurrection. Uh, suffering and rejection uh, and crucifixion. Um, those were things which obviously Peter and the others were absolutely dismayed when they heard that. And as I say, you know, in fairness to them, imagine you or me in that situation and our response as well. And I imagine that Peter and the others were certainly dismayed because one, they didn't see that happening to Jesus, but also... If we think about it for a moment, I'm sure Peter was dismayed as well because to be Jesus' disciple, uh, if Jesus says, that's, that's my path, then surely you say, well, wait a minute. Um, surely that's going to affect me as well. And we hear that uh, Peter takes Jesus and says, you know what, you've got it all wrong. Uh, and then we hear that Jesus um, sharply rebukes Peter. And I want to share with you um, here some things that sort of hopefully sort of shed some light on the importance of what is going on here. And I, he, my buddy, um, James Edwards, does it so powerfully um, in his commentary uh, on Mark's gospel because it's important to understand uh, in Peter um, rebuking Jesus, certainly uh, it was not Peter's intention, but in essence um, what Peter was promoting um, was the way of Satan because Satan quite literally means... Um, the adversary. Um, Peter was uh, in a way which was beyond just sort of slightly adversarial, not uh, by any intention of his own, but uh, what Edward says about the, 
is this, and I share it with you for your own reflection, for your own thoughts. In trying to avert Jesus from suffering, Peter, in a way he cannot know, opposes a deep mystery of God. For suffering is the only way to destroy the stronghold of Satan. Very powerful. For suffering um, is the only way to destroy um, the stronghold uh, of Satan. Obviously, what it's what he's talking about there is, is Jesus's ministry from the very beginning, his purpose. And he goes on to write um, these words. For, suf- uh, for suffering is the only way to destroy the, song, the stronghold of Satan, which is Jesus's declared purpose from early in the gospel. Jesus sees in Peter's rebuke an opposition to the essential design of the incarnation to think in human terms and human terms conflict with the things of God is no longer to be a disciple of Jesus, but a disciple of Satan. Satan derives from the Hebrew word of the same pronunciation, literally an adversary. Jesus seizes Peter's rebuke and turns it on him. He rebuked Peter. Out of my sight, Satan, he said. Jesus' concept of Messiah is not satanic, as Peter suspects, but Peter's attempts to avert him from it um, is. We hear um, the sharp rebuke. We hear um, the severity which Jesus responds to Peter. And I, I, I don't know about y'all. Um, I'm a southerner. I don't like conflict. Um, my wife, she's from Philly. Um, she, she looks for it. Um, she, you know, she, she, tries, um, she tries to pick fights. Um, and, and thankfully, after 20 years, um, I've, I don't know if I'm any successful in dealing with it, but I see it coming now. Um, I, I see it. So, I, I, you know, it's it's kind of harsh when I first hear those words. Personally, I'm going to say, just gosh, it sounds um, so harsh the way that Jesus rebukes P- Peter. But let's let's sort of again flesh this out a little bit, and uh, as we go forward as well, um, Jesus doesn't say, you know what, I'm never going to associate with you again. Uh, he doesn't say, you know what, you're you're out of the club. Uh, I'm done with you. Uh, I'll have nothing else. But we see the importance of Jesus's rebuke of Peter because what Peter would do. Uh, would desire to do, what he would attempt to do, is to um, divert Jesus from doing that which he came to accomplish, which is to break the stronghold of Satan, which is deliver to deliver you and me from the bondage of sin and death into new uh, and risen life, to take grace and love and mercy and forgiveness and instead um, give to us um, the slavery and bondage which existed. Uh, Peter, what he tries to do is to get into the God business. Um, you, you don't understand, God. This isn't the way that things should work out. Uh, and I think that's something that we can all relate to. Uh, and the Christian teaching is not to say that we desire suffering or look for suffering. It's not um, masochistic, but it's to understand um, that the way of Jesus traveled through suffering. Uh, that was the way in which, and through the cross and the resurrection, that God broke the stronghold of Satan. And and oftentimes for you and for me in our lives as well, while we don't look for it, we can have um, the faith, we can have the hope, we can have the understanding that God does um, work through suffering. God does bring um, deliverance um, through suffering. And we can have a hope and a faith and an assurance when we find ourselves in those times when, uh, when it's clear and understandable uh, and when it's not. We hear this Uh, rebuke uh, of Peter for obvious reasons and it comes from God's love. It comes from God's grace. It comes from God's mercy, his desire that we would be delivered that he rebukes Peter here. What I want to do now as we sort of move toward um, the the close of of what I hope to share with you this evening is this, is to share sort of to go forward 
um, in Mark's Gospel um, to the final chapter, to the 16th chapter of Mark's Gospel. And of course, we realize that this wasn't um, Peter's first uh, and only shortcoming and mistake, and not just his, but that of the disciples also. Of course, we know that Peter um, denied um, Jesus uh, three times. But also, if you remember the end of Mark's Gospel, uh, when the um, women go to the tomb um, to anoint Jesus' body, uh, which of course is not there because he's risen, and the angels, the messengers, are there. And interestingly, listen to the message um, that is given. They, they, they tell um, the women to go um, and tell um, the disciples um, and Peter too. Uh, Peter is, is mentioned um, specifically there. Go uh, and tell um, the disciples um, and Peter too. We see um, the grace of God um, giving to people um, who fall short. Peter is rebuked uh, out of love and of grace, but he's not forsaken. Um, the grace of God um, is the final word and the good news we hear in the gospel to people like you and me who inevitably fall short, who inevitably try to get in the God business, who inevitably try and tell God, you know what, God, you really are off base on this one. Things should be working out entirely differently. We hear of the grace and the character of our God who does not um, forsake us um, and through his suffering delivers us. And I share uh, a second quote with you this evening. And that is this. We hear uh, the words of good news. The flight of the disciples, even Peter's pitiful denial, have not been the last word. It is not given to human beings to speak the last word. The last word belongs to the risen Lord. I am going before you. The first act of Jesus' ministry was the calling of four fishermen into community with himself. And the final word of the resurrected Jesus is the reconvening of the same community of disciples. The announcement of the angel is not one of deserved blame, but a promise of gathering and going before them. God completes his plans for the church despite human failure. If the word of grace from the resurrected Lord includes a traitor like, Pe like Peter, readers of the gospel may be assured that it includes those of their community who have also failed Christ. We hear uh, in the gospel placed before us uh, Jesus' sharp rebuke of Peter uh, and the necessity of that sharp rebuke. And we also hear the word of good news uh, is that God's grace um, is the final word, the greater word um, than yours and my failings. We hear that God is able to work um, through suffering. He's able to work despite um, human failure. And the invitation given to you and to me is this is to find life and hope and assurance in Him, uh, to know um, that that's where our strength lies, that's where um, our hope lies um, in Jesus, who has come forth into the world um, that He might deliver us. And as we hear that, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You've come forth uh, in the gift of Your Son, who is our Savior. We thank You for His grace and love made known to us. Lord, I pray that through the work of your Spirit, you would guide us to you, draw us um, to you, uh, that we would um, place our hope and our trust in you and find in you the life prepared for us. And all this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.